This is Chastity Pod, an informational resource about our favorite kink, chastity. We're your hosts. I'm Denai Dumpling. And I'm Locked Fist Monster. And we're chastity veterans. In this pod, we talk about all things chastity related. So if you're cage curious and want to begin locking up, or a key holder who fantasizes about caging that special someone, tune into Chastity Pod. So let's get locked and stay locked. Hello, and welcome to Chastity Pod. Our guest today is Muscle Pup Eli. We're very excited to have him. Deny Dumpling, tell me about your first experience with Muscle Pup Eli. Oh, this this one is uh, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, when I was very young, I think one of my earlier experiences seeing um, a, an Asian person in porn was uh, Muscle Pup Eli. Back then, uh, he just went by Eli. That was his porn name. It was in Rent Boy, and he did so many scenes. Um, and visibility visibility really matters, right? Because you don't you don't really see if you don't see yourself sexually, you don't find yourself sexy. But that really bright uh, personality that he brought, that playfulness he had in porn, it really attracted me to him. I felt like I was seen. I felt like I could be just like that, you know. So um, my first encounter with him was. Um when the rent boy raid happened and he, he had been, he had been one of the people caught up in the rent boy raid in 2015. Um, well, for I, people, for people who are really uh, too young to know what the heck that is. Can you, can you back up and oh, share sure. a little bit about that? So rentboy.com was, um, was an escorting site for gay men. Um, if you wanted, if you wanted to hire someone to lift your luggage, that's, that's a, that's a dated reference. If you want to hire a prostitute, you'd go on to rentboy.com. And then um, there's been a backlash against prostitution in the United States the past five, 10 years. And in 2015, the feds raided uh, the rent boy offices in New York City and where they arrested most of the staff who like ran the website, one of whom was uh, was um, Pup Eli. Um, and I was very plugged into the politics of escorting at the time. Um, so my first encounter with him was reading his blog and also reading about uh, him getting caught up in that raid. Wow. You know, back, back then uh, he was just Eli and I'm really excited to hear more about his kink journey. Cause I think it's been fairly recent uh, when he finally got into being uh, a pup and now also recently into chastity. Right. So he just got his first chastity cage at Folsom uh, San Francisco in last uh last fall in fall 2022 so he is at the time of this recording only six months into his chastity journey seven months into his chastity wow journey. yeah well locked fist i'm so excited to interview this guest I'm, let's get I'm to, it. Hard to it welcome back to another episode of chastity pod today we're joined by our special guest uh is it muscle pup eli or pup, pup, pup eli, eli works yeah Welcome. Thank you for Thank joining you. us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited yeah. to be here. He's our adult entertainer, rent boy, pup, and recently locked guest. And we are so excited to have him here today. He's going to be sharing with us a little bit of his own um, history and also his journey into the deep, dark world of chastity. Not that dark. 
but yeah, pretty pretty deep, I'd say. <laughs> oh, it's a, it, it, you'll you'll find you'll find your way. <laughs> there, there are definitely there are definitely facets of it that I'm like, what are we doing? Okay, cool. <laughs> I I feel like that's true of every kick. Like, there's just a moment where you like stop. You're like, wait a second, this is ridiculous. Why why am I doing this again? And then a few seconds later, you're like, oh right, because it's very fun, and you exactly. dive right back in. So um, you just got your first cage relatively recently, Folsom, yeah. Folsom last year. Uh, can you tell us a little about, bit about yourself and your kink journey that le- led you up to getting a cage? Totally. So, I mean, as you guys kind of mentioned, I've been part of like the sex industry for 10, 10, like 10 plus years, which is kind of crazy to think about. All started in uh, New York City. Um, and back then I was just a young 20 something trying to explore their sexuality and how they fit into the New York City gay nightlife scene. And one of the most welcoming communities was the kink community, um, especially when it came to just communication. Um and uh, like communicating boundaries and expectations and things like that. And I really uh, enjoyed that aspect of it. And so that's kind of how I, that's a short version of how I got into kink. Um, and then I've always been adjacent to a lot of different things like uh, pup play as well as cage play as a kind of like adjacent voyeur, I guess. But it, was, it wasn't until I found a partner who really uh, made me feel comfortable with exploring a lot of different aspects of my own sexuality that I actually started exploring those avenues, kink, pup play, et cetera. Um, and with kink play, uh, or sorry, with cage play, I should say, he is also fairly new to it. So he's not actually my cage holder. My partner's not my cage holder. I found someone who's a little bit more experienced with it, who is my daddy, uh, who is helping me kind of explore that a little bit more. So how did how did you first hear of chastity play? What was your what was your first impression of it? I first saw it in the middle of a dance floor on the Eagle a few years back. I was like grabbing at this guy who were, like we were violently making out with each other. So I go for the crotch and I noticed some hardware down there. <laughs> Started asking him about it, and it was mind boggling to me because the way he explained it to me was my boyfriend caged me for the night. I need to earn the right to be unlocked. And I was like, I have no idea what you just said, but where's your boyfriend? Let's find him and let's work out what needs to happen for you to be unlocked. So I liked the aspect of play and rules about it. And that's how I was first introduced. And um, you're, you're also a pup. How did, how did you get into pup play and did pup play feed into chastity play for you at all? I don't think they necessarily informed one another. Mm-hmm. I jumped into both fairly recently as well. So with Pup Play, I had friends who were in the community who told me that I would benefit from exploring that side of my uh, personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just never again had really the opportunity to do so in a setting that I wanted. Um, so I don't think there's much intersectionality quite there yet um but with pup play for me it was just about uh trying to figure out better ways to manage my anxiety so for me pup play is very much a mental aspect more than anything else and then i'm also finally finding that with compartmentalizing those aspects of my life i'm able to explore various aspects that i haven't been able to touch on in my personality so there right now is a very clear divide between who uh I am as a person who my porn performer side is, which is more just a heightened version, I guess, of who I am in day-to-day life. And then my pup self is completely 
separate from that as well. Much more joyful, much more bouncy, much more, uh, I guess, just like generally playful. Uh, so I'm kind of trying to figure out ways to integrate and combine those because I'm not the kind of person, I love compartmentalization, but after some time, it gets a little bit confusing to kind of switch in and out of different settings, I guess. Right. Uh, something that really a lot of people do that I've, I mean, every every gay in, in New York City has an OF, right? And so we kind of all turn on this like facade when they're, we try to be this super sexy, uh, more cruisy, more into things that we're not usually into than we, you know, we put up this facade, right? Um, and I've heard a lot of people, the, re the reason why they get so into pup play is when the pup mask goes on or when the collar goes on, they get to really like put away everything. And then they get to be, you know, I don't want to say like inner child because that puts, you know, children in it, but like, no, they get to unlock and be somebody, the side of them that's, you know, been put away to be an adult. Completely. And that's, that's the thing that really intrigued me the most about it. There's obviously various aspects. And I was just talking to one of my other pup friends about this yesterday. There's, there seem to be three avenues that you can enter pup play into. One is what I already talked about, which is uh, kind of the more mental psychological side. Uh, then there's the sexual aspect of course, which is more traditional to what pup play is in this community. And then the third one, which I think a lot of the newer pups are getting into is the aesthetic side. Uh, like they love the accessorizing, they love the look, they love the gear. And so they're interested to see what that has to offer. Um, I approach it from the psychological, but also from the aesthetic side. I love the aesthetics behind it. I love that you do become a version of anonymous in that puphood that you're not able to be when you're your unmasked self. Um, plus, I just love accessories, which is also why I got into cage play. I'm like, the more accessories, the better. I love all of it. Let's see what I can, you know, extract from these things that would benefit my life. Is I, is your current uh, daddy who has locked you also your handler or is that your partner? No. So I don't have a handler quite yet either. So uh, my partner is my partner. He is the person that I explore a lot of my sexual fantasies and uh, interests with. What we're finding, we've been together for almost eight years, is that uh, we both like to explore in this playground we've created together, but then we start to realize that we're not necessarily the best pairing for one another when it comes to certain kinks. For example, I'm a big fisting top, and so I tried to introduce that to him he's not much of a fisting bottom. He enjoys it when it's with me, but I introduced him to some of my other fisting friends uh, a few months ago. And he was like, nope, this was a, an us thing. It's not really something I get off on when it's with other people. So that was interesting to note. Um, and then same thing with Pup Play. He, I, I feel very comfortable exploring that with him, but he also isn't diving into it with the same gusto that I am. So I'm having to figure out, all right, where do I get this aspect of the kink from um, and with my daddy it's mostly just uh, pup play slash cage play but he is just my key holder for now and how um how does cage play work in chastity play work in with your partner like so does he get off on you being locked is it just something that he's sort of indifferent towards what's he's the... yeah it's a good question to have especially when the, your partner's not your key holder i think right. it brings up so many other aspects of queer relationships, uh, which is also what I love about pup play, the polycule of relationships that you have when you have a pack, when you have a partner, when you have a key holder, when you have an alpha are also interesting to me. And it's uh, those types of relationships that have really made me grow as a person outside of just general kink and sexual play. Um, but for my partner, he's 
indifferent towards it. He thinks it's hot. He actually was going to, he tried self-locking for me and wanted me to be his key holder. But, and this is going to be such a weird brag, nothing fits him correctly. And I think that that's something that I'd love to talk to you guys about is just when you start to uh, exploring cage play at first, the hardest thing for me has been finding the right fit of base ring to the cage. And he has a fairly large package. And so we have every size under the sun at this point, trying to figure out what works best for him. <laughs> Question, is the trouble sure. that his package is unusually girthy and that's what's making all of the cages just a bit too tight? It is, yeah. So for him, it's the cage and not the base ring. Plus yep. he has a Prince Albert. So it just, there's a lot okay. going on down there. So just, so what he wants is first off, he can talk to Kink3D about getting a custom extra girthy cage made. Okay. Uh, so my... Um, I have a similar issue uh, when circumference of my penis is like six and a quarter inches. Um, so for every cage that I've had that's not been obscenely painful has been custom made. Okay. That's um, so good to Kink, know. Yeah. So Kink 3D uh, makes fantastic. I mean, Kink 3D is fantastic in general, but they make fantastic uh, custom cages. Um, but then if he, uh, if he decides that he really does enjoy cage play, and, but he prefers a more metal aesthetic, um, then Badass Workroom would be my go-to suggestion. Okay. Um, uh, especially because they have a lot of integrated uh, Prince Albert. Um, oh, fantastic. So like we'll I definitely have, talk after this about that. Yeah. Yeah, because I've got, <laughs> I've got um, I have a two-gauge Prince Albert, and my, okay. my Badass Workroom cage locks in through my Prince Albert. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's how we originally got started with cage play because of that. I noticed he had some cages and I was like, what's this? I think <laughs> I know what these are. And he was like, I thought you would be interested in it, but nothing is fitting. Let me just show you how the like mechanism works. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll get one if it doesn't fit you. So we tried like all that sizing. And I, uh. I at least with sizing right now, I'm finding, so my package is average, but it, like my balls protrude out a little bit and so mm -hmm. i'm finding that i might need a thicker base ring which i know that uh king 3d has um because i've sized all the way down to the zero and it's a little too tight mm -hmm. so i think i need to go back up to the one or two but just get a thicker ring because i constantly have my ball trying to like one ball tries to escape at least once per day which is unusually painful ouch uh, yeah do do you have um which sort of base ring do you have do you have the ergonomically shaped one that sort of like bends back a bit or do you have just the regular it's the, one? It's the regular like straight one you you might you might find that the ergonomically shaped base ring uh makes it um like makes it less more likely your balls yeah the, the ergonomic base ring if you've seen it it's almost curved inward so it gives yeah. your balls a little more space yeah um, so i have is... that one in a larger size and then i realized that my balls were still slipping so then i went down a size and just kept the standard straight base ring so i might to your point just need to yeah, give it okay. a try explore all those yeah interestingly enough my partner uh when he locks uh he's also got a big package he also had to get an extra girthy ring from <laughs> kink 3d so lockings for big people too encouraging everyone out there with this, big packages to lock up this is this um, is the extra girthy uh kink 3d cage <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, and so that way when he has morning wood in the morning, that's like the biggest complaint. They wake up and they're like, oh, it hurts, you know, it pinches. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but he actually needs the, he finds it more comfortable for the flat rings. So it's different per package. He also it's, has yeah. huge balls. Yeah, it, it's it's different for everyone. You know? 
This it's is... definitely, yeah, like it's it's interesting just, uh, that's why I kind of like that we have every <laughs> base ring and cage combination right now. Because whenever I talk about it with my friends, I talk about it a lot. I'm, I've been locked. I've recently been relocked. I was uh, unlocked for a little bit just because we had some like issues with uh, like uh, friction. And so I had some scar tissue that needed to heal over. And yeah, all that. healing. Yeah, so I needed to let it heal, but I've been relocked for a few days now. Uh, the the fun thing is, whenever my friends ask about it, because I was at a pool party yesterday, you can see it pretty pronounced, is why do you do it? It looks painful. Um, and then as I explain it to them, the good thing with us having every single ring size and uh, cage is then they can just come over, get sized, and then buy their own. So that's actually been really fun, trying to introduce some of my friends to why cage play might be for them. Ooh, look at you. Just we'll locking everyone up. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I am curious. Uh, you are fairly new. I mean, just a, just a couple of months ago was, uh, I think, your first yeah. experience. Um, how far are you along in terms of duration of uh, longest caged? The longest was uh, two months. So like 61 days. Yeah. And that was self-locked just because I was like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> uh, that was a lot of fun. I found that I like I jerk off constantly. So I found that I was able to <laughs> focus on my tasks more. <laughs> Uh, because for me, it was just the frustration of not being able to do it, but being self-locked, you really had to discipline yourself not to unlock yourself to get it done with. Uh, so it was, again, a lot of why I do kink is the psychological aspect of it. It's just like, can you control yourself? And if you can't, then that's why you give your key to someone else. Um, so now that I have a key holder and I have a partner, I don't hold on to my key just because I know I... I might screw up and just decide to unlock one day. So it's best to have that shipped off to someone else. So uh, my my daddy has my primary key and he instructs me and all that. And then I have my partner who is the emergency. Like, hey, my ball slipped out today. We need to unlock, put it back in together. Where did you hide it? <laughs> I love that dynamic. How did, how did you meet your daddy, your key holder? And was it primarily did you primarily find him like through chastity or did you already have him have an existing relationship with him and then be like hey do you want to hold my keys so the polycule of gay relationships like every gay knows each other through some sort of seven degrees of separation um and so my daddy's husband is the this is I'm gonna need like some kind of network or <laughs> spreadsheet, but basically we we knew each other through mutual friends. Um, and so that was how we were introduced. And he just brought it up to me one day saying, Hey, I would very much like to take our relationship to the next level. Uh, what does that mean for you and your partner? What are you open to starting off with? Um, and especially because me and my partner are fairly new to polyamory. We also just started exploring it last year. Last year was really the year that everything was just let's try everything. Uh uh, my daddy's been great with uh, slowly integrating himself into my re just regular life as well as my kink life. So it kind of started as like friends to sexual partner, cage holder. Yeah. So it's a, it's an, it's an evolution, which, which I like. A question I've, I always ask everyone who's new to uh, chastity, and it sounds like you've already done two months self-locking, so that's incredible. <laughs> uh, have you found an improvement in your sex life? 
Yeah, I uh, had my, I th I've thought I've had anal orgasms before. Um, and then you get locked and then you have your first anal orgasm and you're like, where has this been all my life? It is like, I, anal orgasm aside, like that was one. And then I had my first like caged orgasm too. Again, when I, when I go into a kink, I want to experience it wholly, which is why I went two months self-locked. Uh, but I remember uh, coming for the first time while caged and like, flaccid that was like coming for the first time like I felt like I was 13 14 15 again and I just had my first <laughs> orgasm I was like what is this where am I how do I do replicate this and for the rest of the day because I brought a hookup over he made me come and that was maybe 1 p.m for the rest of the day I was just like now I need to come again so I just kept on like trying to replicate the setting and the environment and just couldn't and I didn't I wouldn't say wasted but I basically spent the next four, five, six hours trying to come through my cage again. Yeah, it's definitely changed my life dramatically. Um, not only from just the fact that it's a new physical aspect, but uh, again, psychologically for me, it's been a great way to hone back in on whatever I need to do. So for me, it's a, it's a focusing tool. It's a way for me to really prioritize certain things as opposed to the physical. Because I can't touch myself, I am sexually frustrated, where do I channel that energy? And I tend to channel it through work, creative projects, literally anything else to get my mind off my dick and whole area. Now the entire time I may be like rubbing up against something, but I'm not able to touch myself. So I'm like trying to figure out a way to channel that somewhere else. Um, when I started, started, when I started getting into chastity, one of the most interesting things was the um, unwiring of me and my obsession with my penis and moving it to other parts of my body. Yeah. I've, my nipples have gotten 10 times more sensitive. My hole is like a hundred times more sensitive and the erogenous zones I, I feel are, are growing. Even as I, um, do chastity now, I, I've, I was locked for over two years and, you know, still I find interesting ways. Have you found new erogenous zones on your body? I mean, my hole has always been like, my hole is my like my special place. And just the fact that it has, I'm gonna say opened up more. So I have this type of hole, which I'm gonna complain about because it is a real thing. It is very elastic. After getting fucked and you stop fucking it for like five minutes, it closes right back up. Now mm -hmm. tops love that. If you're a bottom, that is the worst thing that could happen, especially if you're naturally tight because then it has to go through all that work again. Like it's painful. Um, but being locked, I find that, I don't know, I'm just, more open and I feel like there's some kind of psychosomatic thing going on but it has it's it's all it's only when I am locked that I find my hole to be a little bit more let's say pliable like it it opens up a little bit easier um it's a lot uh just it's a lot easier to go into and it's just a lot more fun to to, to play with generally but that might again just be some kind of psychosomatic symptom that I need to hone in on <laughs> I mean it's it's the same for me when I'm uh when I'm unlocked, toy play doesn't, I'm not really into that toy play that much to start with. And then like, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't do much for me. Cause like I get a dildo inside and like, I almost immediately jerk off and come and then I'm done. Exactly. When I'm, when I'm locked, I can, I can, and I literally do play for hours. Yeah. You take toy. your time. I take my time. I slowly build up through, you know, my toys. Uh, I all have like 10 of them in the bathtub next to me and like, just take them out one out after another, building my way up in size. I'll take a break for a half hour, go back at it. Um, being locked really lets me just 
focus on destroying my ass in these times. And that's, that's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My husband and I open relationship. Um, We're open to the idea of polyamory. We just haven't found any additional people that we've formed, you know, committed relationships with in any way. We're just fucking around like the sluts we are. Totally. Totally. Um, The funny thing is, is that uh, he, he loves that I love chastity. Doesn't really do much for him. Um, He loves how horny I get in chastity, but he also really loves my dick. (laughs) And so there's... Nunchum. it's it's a conundrum. So I haven't ever since he and I got together, I haven't actually done a like extremely long, uh, str- long uh, lockup. Um, so this this raises the question: What sort of limits does your interest with your partner have? Your relationship with your partner have on your relationship with your daddy? What thing sort of things are like off limits? How have you negotiated that? Um, so, how does yeah. that work? That's a great question. So, so far when it comes to cage play, at least there hasn't been yet any kind of question to who comes first or priority, primarily because my partner isn't really into cage play. Secondarily, I am mostly a bottom. So it's not like I really use my dick during sexual intercourse with my partner. So that's helpful uh, for me. It definitely would be interesting if that were not the case, right? Uh, I do, again, I do have friends and uh, the friend who I talked about before who I met through having to unlock based on uh, like certain things that he had to do for his partner. Uh, We're still friends now and they have that relationship going. And I'm like, for a top to be caged and need to check off boxes for his partner, that's a fun dynamic to have. I I mean, it's a challenge. It's a a fun challenge and I kind of love it. So for them, for example, um, like their relationship, uh, it's mostly just, it's about play. It's just about the control aspect. For me, it is about giving up certain control because my kinks, I tend to be the more dominant one. And mm-hmm. so over the last few years, I've tried to explore being more submissive with a lot of kinks. And that comes with chastity play. Obviously, I'm not a key holder. I am the one who's locked up. So there hasn't really been much intersection there. But when it comes to like overall polyamorous relationship dealings, uh, the way that we've made it out is my partner's my primary so he always is priority when it comes to overall time spent obviously we live together um and then daddy would come like second in a way so it's just like if daddy wants some one-on-one time together then obviously it has to be some time that my partner doesn't already have devoted to us Mm -hmm. um otherwise it's it's open for conversation and are there ever times where your partner's like I need that dick now for whatever reason. Um, so he, yeah, uh, no, fortunately, I guess. Uh, I've I've been exploring recently just topping more. I don't really enjoy topping all that much. I have enjoyed pegging, which is interesting because for me, there's no like hard wire to my dick when it comes to topping. I don't get excited by the thought of it, I but I get hard when I fist someone and I get hard, like I get hard during kinks. What that means, I don't know. Should probably explore that a little bit more. But it is an interesting thing where I remember one time a few months ago, I was fisting someone and I was rock hard. And I was like, this is my moment. So I put my dick in him. And within like three thrusts, completely went soft. And I was like, that's weird. Let's go back to fisting. Have you you tried jerking off inside of someone? I haven't gotten to that yet. Most of the bottoms that I have are either... um, new to fisting so they can't quite take all of that 
or I'm so immersed with double fisting that I don't think about putting my dick in there. Again, my dick is usually the last thing I'm thinking about unless I right. want to come, uh, especially with like kink play. So it, yeah, it's, it's, it's just been interesting though, just seeing what the dyna dynamic of like what my dick is doing, especially when it comes to being caged. Now, now I'm just fantasizing about you fisting and pegging me. That's that's the that's the intrusive thought streaming into my well, head. And I have really collapsible hands. That's how I got into fisting in the first place. Like as a as a big old power bottom, I always wanted to see how much I could take. So right. I like in my 20s, I was getting DP'd left and right. Mm -hmm. I tried to get fisted a few times and it just wouldn't go in. Mm -hmm. and I'm open to it no one's been able to kind of break through that barrier quite yet. So in the meantime, I've been fisting people. Obvious question there then is, uh, do you do a lot of self toy play? I don't, I've like, I, I think I just need to buy more toys. The ones that I've had in the past have just been the, you know, your typical sex shop toys. Mm. So they've been a little too hard. Uh, yeah. So square peg toys though makes the most fantastic toys for me so i've been i've been uh slowly adding to my collection from from their website we will yeah they're really comfy you, yeah. you you will get converted to uh be one of one of us uh toy collectors who just have like piles and piles of top toys and square peg and uh... i mean that's the thing right now like as i said before like the reason why i get into some of these kinks is just the accessorizing part <laughs> about it uh so i've been part of the leather community for as long as i've been part of the sex industry uh so 10 years and i specifically stayed away from like uh rubber because i knew okay stick to one i know that rubber's cheaper but like stick to one aesthetic for now build your collection <laughs> but now i'm starting to get into rubber and i'm like all right we have too many things we need to kind of refocus and decide what types of accessories that you want because you do have a finite amount of resources and space to be storing all of this but i think toys are next in in the priority list i think some people like to invest in gold some people like to invest in silver i think you should invest in toys and king oh 100 yeah i was uh i was just watching how to build a how to build a sex room yes i love show. that show yes, yes so my, absolutely my, my husband and i literally just finished watching the like eighth episode i don't know a couple nights ago uh and one you know right now you can't see this but off frame i'm surrounded completely by chaos um, and, <laughs> that was our house not too long ago i understand right. yeah there's like behind me there's like a giant sack of dildos to like the right of me there's a cardboard box filled with chastity cages this cabinet that's open uh is just like filled with like bonded shit it's just complete chaos and part of um part of to segue this in properly Part of chastity for me is getting into that whole headspace. Like the nice thing about the cage is that putting it on helps get me into that submissive, like cock loving headspace. Totally. Part of part of a good getting into that headspace is also being in like a good, comfortable space for sex. And like bathhouses, some a few bathhouses have like great sex aesthetics. Like you go into Der Boiler in Berlin or you go into Wet on Wellington in uh, Melbourne, Australia, and you're like, oh, yeah, I can fuck on all of these surfaces. And like just walking into that place gets you into the mood. Totally. Whereas um, uh, where where my husband and I are currently living, 
this house has like done significant damage to our sex life because it's just a deeply like unsexy house. The there was there's a point to this, which was the intersection of the psychology of uh cage play, the psychology of the aesthetics of accessorizing the building like the right sex space. Well, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up and we can try to find a way to segue back into this. But so we've we've been working on a renovation and part of what you were saying is uh, it's it's sometimes difficult to find the right setting and mood, especially when you've been in a long-term relationship. Yes. Uh, you both find excuses not to do something. And that's the difficult part with being gay. Like with straight couples, the whole fits, just go. Right. Uh, so for us, actually, we have uh, two of our best friends recently bought a house and they built their entire aesthetic around the fact that they are sexual beings. And I love that for them. They've been oh, together fantastic. as long as we have. And so their house is very moody, very sexy, very elevated. And like, it's still a, it's a beautiful house, but it right. has a very specific, like you enter and you're like, oh, this is gorgeous. And yeah. I'd want to have sex here. And I love that for them. So we took inspiration from that. And that's, moody isn't quite our aesthetic, but we wanted to create intimate. a space. Intimate. I think, yeah, we we're very like our like there's a they have dark walls. It's very sexy. It's very Berlin. That's not our aesthetic at all. Our aesthetic is very like bright, colorful. Which yeah. when you think sex, not usually the first thing that comes to mind. And so we uh, moved some things around during the renovation. We now have our office upstairs, and the downstairs area is our designated like hookup room because mm -hmm. it's you can get in and out. So it's going to be a lot more dark, sexy, mysterious, have have that entire aesthetic, and then also be the collab space. Uh, so I think definitely there is an importance behind, if you have the opportunity for it, trying to create and maintain a space that facilitates the types of activities that you want to have in your life, yeah. whether that's for some people, a craft room, which this office doubles as a craft room, and then also a designated space where you feel sexy, safe, able to explore these various aspects of your sexuality. I think that's really important. And what I love about gay life is we think about those things because we kind of have to. We have been forced to create relationships that aren't in the norm. We, you know, like historically it's, you know, you meet someone, you date, you get married, you build a family. That's not necessarily the storyline for queer people. And so having to create not only these new relationships of, hey, what does this mean? What is a polyamorous relationship? I'm having sex with friends. I have intimate feelings for friends. We have kink that's a lot more integrated into our sex lives. I think that's all beautiful and wonderful. And it kind of forces us to create our own adventure. Um, but that also comes with a lot of additional baggage that you're not necessarily thinking about, <laughs> right? Like, what does it mean that we have to create the space for ourselves? What does the space look like? What does it mean for you and me? What does that mean for our various rules, et cetera? How, how close is the bathroom in case we need to douche? Exactly. And that's the other thing too, is that like, I am like, we're fortunate to live in a space that we can have multiple rooms. When I was living right. in New York City, I don't think that would have been really an option. It would have been like, all right, what are we going to rearrange to make this space work? Yeah. Um, but we're currently in Texas and we're not leaving anytime soon because I want to turn the state blue, but also job opportunity. And we have a house, like we have yeah. a three bedroom house versus living in New York City when we would be in something a little bit smaller. Um, <laughs> So that was that was kind of another reason why we wanted to create that space. We had the opportunity and the resources for it. So let's definitely, you know, channel that energy into something.
for uh, your sexual play space that you did mention that you have an underground space where you collab and such yeah. um, in, in the advent of only fans just for fans and taking you know we take a lot of power back into uh, what we want the boundaries we want um, in play you're allowed to be caged and you know explore your kinks during collabs um, however mainstream I don't know if every place is really cage cage positive I guess totally yeah that's always interesting so I uh, I grew up, and this is going to age me a little bit, but I, I mean, I started doing porn 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, even five years ago, the conversation around porn and sex and sexuality has drastically changed. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, I mean, current climate, right? When there is pushback against progress, there's just going to be a lot of spillage. <laughs> and then you have to kind of collect what that means for you. So when, for example, during the Rent Boy Raid, which I was so happy to be part of, uh, during the Rent Boy Raid, during the manhunt uh, like investigations, all of that kind of created space for and the ability to have conversations around why we're so weird about talking about sex and sexuality. So I started off doing studio porn. And the great thing about studio porn then was you showed up, you got hard, you did your thing, and then you left. And then all these fan sites came about. And the great thing about those fan sites is it brought a lot of power, to your point, to the creators, to the people who were producing that content. It's really difficult, though, to do all that because when you were doing studio porn, you literally show up and then you have teams doing everything else for you. As opposed to now that you have to be an entrepreneur, you have to schedule, you have to clean out, then you have to perform, then you have to market, edit, do all of this on your own. It's, it's a lot. But with that comes the freedom of being able to present however you want, whether that's caged or uncaged or specifically with one kink or not. Uh, my aesthetic has definitely evolved throughout the years. When I first started doing studio porn, my big draw was the boyfriend experience. I was clean cut, smiley, very easy to talk to. Uh, and that was kind of what I was going for. But I am that's just one aspect of me. I'm also very kinky. There's a darker side. There's a lot of different facets to who I am as a person and as a sexual being. And having the um, ability to now produce my own content, it kind of, I have a very wide net that I cast because it's pup play. <laughs> it's cage play. It's your typical blowjob scenes. There's a non. There's, so I work with and do a lot of different things. And I've come to think like, maybe I should focus a little bit of that more and you know, really capitalize on a specific niche. But again, it's it's my content. I don't do it really for the money. I do it for fun. So people now just get to see everything that I enjoy doing. Like I'm editing a video right now where it was just a pup scene completely. And that's coming right after like a video with Austin Wolf, who has told me sometimes like, he's like, maybe you should create separate accounts. I'm like, that's a lot of compartmentalization and so you find a full library i'll create folders if you're only into this and if you're only into that but like you get what you get yeah i mean maybe, maybe you could back, back when tumblr existed uh the great thing was the tagging system because that made it yeah. much easier to you know be like oh all of my nipple play stuff is over totally. here right well um, that's what i like about i i use just for fans primarily yeah. uh because it's gay owned and operated and mm -hmm. unlike only fans which has the name recognition but unlike only fans they allow a lot more gay friendly content like 50. specific 
specifically, yeah, kink play. Um, and water sports. And water sports. There's just a lot of it, which I'm like, all right, if you're gay owned and operated, you understand that these are part of our norm and it is okay to have these things. Um, but the website is also a lot easier for me to navigate when it comes to tagging. So it's like, if you, to your point, if you have all of this kink specific content, here it is. Here are the tags that I've used. Here are the things that you are specifically looking for. So it does make it easier to navigate those different avenues. I think that as uh, content creators um, go, it's a very it's very easy that when you first start getting into this business, you think about what the public wants to see, right? Like, how do you want to totally. present yourself to cast the widest net? <clears throat> but uh, I think that uh, now that we have you know these these fan sites just for fan only fans, um, if you create the porn that you want to see, you kind of build the genre. Oh yeah, and it's so much sexier. It's so much more genuine to to how you are, and I think. The people who make authentic porn that they themselves, you know, it's the brainchild of their own interest and they're hot. They, they think it's really hot. Yeah. That's the kind of porn I always subscribe for. It's the joy. It's the interest. It's the introspection into like what's hot for me. And let me share it with you. That really gets my juices flowing, you know? Completely. And that's why, like, for me, when I was, look at that. <laughs> for me, when I, I was, clean my uh, room too. For, when I was filming a lot of uh, just even studio porn, the, the scenes that I would rewatch, because I love watching myself on film, primarily because I know how much fun I was having there. And so whenever I watch other porn where I can tell that the other person or people in that video are having genuine fun, it is much more of a turn on than something a little bit more scripted. Granted, I love a scripted moment. And sometimes that does turn into and blossom into a fun scene that you can see and the energy is palpable. But uh, to your point, I really do love the, the fact that as content creators now, if you start with, this is what I enjoy, and that's what you produce, then that is going to come back to you. Like it, it, it works out really well. And 10 years ago, when you were starting out in studio porn and uh, also on Renpoi, was that your primary, was that a side hustle for you or is that your primary means of earning a living? And now, has it migrated over into being a side hustle? Is it still your primary thing? Has it yeah. always just been a side hustle? It's always been a side hustle. So I started doing, I started escorting and uh, doing porn just because I was like, this looks like fun. I like sex. I'll get paid for it. Um, and back then it was definitely taboo. Even being a public yeah. porn performer, they told you, you know, like, especially in New York, they're like, do not tell anyone you do porn because this will be the end of any career. All the doors will close for you, which was definitely the case at one point, yeah. I think. Um, but back then it was a side hustle, like just a fun side project, because I knew from the start talking to a lot of porn performers, I'm very good friends with uh, Brent Corgan, for example, there are only so many of those people right. who can really make it a career. And there's only there's also a certain even content creators now that it takes a certain person to make this a full time thing. Yeah. Um, not only creatively, but we talked about the level of effort you're putting into this to make it a full-time thing. I just don't have that desire to put that much effort into it. So it's always been a fun side project. And I think that's why a lot of my content is, I, I try to make it less sporadic and try to post like two videos a week at least so that people who are subscribing get their money's worth. Um, but I'm also producing only the content that I want to produce and I don't feel pressured to, you know, I need X amount of videos per week. That takes the joy out of it for me. Yeah. And so I've always thought about it from that context, which is why am I doing this? Thankfully, it wasn't 
because I needed to, but because I wanted to do it. So there was one point when I was working a lot in studio point, I was filming, I was gone from New York for a solid two months, like filming every single week and it took the joy out of it. And that's when I knew I needed to slow down. And I also used to be a former ballet dancer. And the reason I exited that industry was because it turned into a, I turned into a workhorse and I lost the joy and the creativity and the, the fun out of that. Like I was no longer inspired and I hate when that happens. So as with anything in life, I think it's all about moderation and it's really about trying to find what you're passionate about doing. And for me, it was what like sex is, is fun and should be fun. I shouldn't be sore and hating my life and dreading the next scene or dreading planning the next collab. It should just be authentic and genuine, at least for me. We've, we've now gone from the studio porn era to everyone has their own OnlyFans and Just for Fans. So we've had this great explosion of content there. Yeah. Um, but on the escorting side of things, you know, we went from, even though it was taboo, it felt relatively open still in like 2014. And since Completely. then, we had the Red Boy Raid, we had Sesta Fosta, we had Backpage getting shut down. Um, escorting now feels less free. Completely. Did, um, ten years ago. So, one, do you still escort? Uh, two, does um, if you have exited escorting, is it because of this sort of contraction on escorting? And yeah. where where do you see that going? So, my gosh, I am currently working on a project right now. I've always been very passionate about uh, just sex worker rights, especially mm-hmm. when I first started. When I first started, I didn't realize I would be so outspoken, but I've always had a very political mind um and would you know cheer for the underdog and really work towards that but let's answer this in a few ways so the first part is i no longer escort and primarily because since i was one of the primary uh faces of that rent boy case back in 2014 2015 i'm pretty sure i technically signed a legal document saying i would no longer escort what's interesting about that is like who's gonna know who's gonna check but i digress um so i don't escort anymore um for, that's one reason why the second reason is it's just it's a little bit more difficult to in in Texas and <laughs> just because my like my brand of escorting isn't something that most people are really gravitating to so it's like time versus money uh, so that's one part second part ever since that the explosion of like porn content has definitely seen a massive increase and I love that but the conversation has gone toward has kind of eroded from what autonomy around your sexual being really is. So I think no one really wants to touch on that because it's such a taboo topic. And I don't know how we're going to kind of overcome this little hill that we're on other than by tackling it directly. So one way that I'm doing it is I'm kind of going back through a lot of my archives. When I worked at Rent Boy, one of the things that I wanted to do was find the resources that have been around for sex workers for a long time. And a lot of it was underground. So we have uh, the Sex Workers Operation Project. And a lot of it is based in San Francisco. So you have Hawk Kincaid, who has been an amazing resource, not only for Rent Boy, but for escorts and sex workers worldwide. The conversation, though, from, let's say, the 1980s to 1990s and 2000s was very much around and probably still is but I don't know sex work as a function of I need to do this I don't I've never met any sex workers who were kind of thrown into it from that perspective I know that they're still out there but definitely with the advent of just for fan sites everyone is much more willing to now trade that aspect of them for money and people are doing it but it's just not as talked about um so what I've been trying to do is create um 
I guess, a new anthology of like the modern sex worker? What does it look like in this, in like in this, uh, in this world where we have our own content, we have our own uh, autonomy to choose which people we film with, because it's definitely changed. Um, so I'm, I'm currently working on a project to collect stories of what those people are doing now, uh, veteran sex workers, as well as these, uh, these newbies who are coming in, are they escorting? What does that mean to them? Because I think for some people who are content creators, they still think I can't escort that's not a thing that I would be willing to do but honestly it's a lot easier it's a lot <laughs> you make a lot more money a lot quicker so if, if if your end goal is money sex work has always been the quickest way to go about doing that and I did it because I wanted to save up for college and I did that so I exited the industry used that money for college and now I have a, a big boy job I work in a corporate environment they they know about my past they're okay with it they're like it's sex work, not a big deal. Um, but I think we need to start dispelling the uh, the myths around what sex work and escorting and really prostitution are all about, which is it's autonomy over your body. You're doing it with your just for fans, only fans content. It's the same thing, but for some reason there are legal protections around recording it versus not recording it. Yeah. Uh, so this, this, project of collecting these stories is this like a blog is this like a what what is is, is this the stories from the industry post that you, yeah, made, you made recently I, I did yeah and so it's it's i'm just collecting a lot of different stories from people currently all around the world i'm getting some content from like people in france from the uk and Ooh. culturally it is very different than in the us right now i'm receiving a lot of positive like this is what it taught me and i love that but i want to get into the nitty gritty and so the nasty uh, the unfair the yeah and so I, I think i think i need to create i need to post my own content first so that people are able to see the vast uh range of what i'm looking for because i want to see like i want you at your worst i want to know like who hurt you and do you think this facilitated this interest in doing something you know different <laughs> let's just call it that just different um because i do think that everything like obviously like everything in life adds up to what you're currently doing now. Um, and a lot of it in kink play is psychological. And let's just say it, it's there, there are there are some people who are more built for escorting. But I'm also the kind of person who had a great upbringing. My mom raised me correctly. And I actively chose to be a sex worker because I knew that there was nothing wrong with it. And so I want to explore that avenue of it. But I also want to explore the avenue of like, okay, maybe you were abused, maybe something bad did happen to you. But what how has that turned you into the person you are now? And has sex work helped you come to that realization? Because if anything, I think sex work really teaches you more about yourself and about yourself as a sexual being, but also as a caring person, because through escorting, you're not just having sex with people. Like, yes, obviously that's a big part of it, but you're realizing that these are connections you're making with another human being and these are necessary, like, services to be had by the human population. Like, it's been around for a long time because you're able to barter that connection that you have with someone. I've, I've got a little story to add to your project. So the first the first time I encountered you, I remember encountering you online, I think, um, it was uh, it was right around the time of the rent boy raid okay what because here's here's what have happened i i spent the majority of 2015 living in australia okay. and um i was i was there on a work holiday visa 
and sex work's legal in Australia. And I thought, I'm on the other side of the world. Nothing I do here will ever come back to haunt me in any way, shape, or form. I've always wanted to do a little bit of escorting. I should do some escorting. And I was having a lot of fun doing it. Um, And I was starting to think, you know, when I come back to the States, maybe I should keep this going. You know, I had a little profile on rentboyaustralia.com. No relation to rentboy.com, but like a clear ripoff of it. Okay. Um, And then like right before I was about to come back to the U.S., Rent Boys offices get raided in New York. The site gets shut down. It's like yeah, it was fun. I was I was like reading your blog posts and everything, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Well, you know what? Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> and I just haven't actually escorted. I I came back to the U.S. I didn't continue escorting, and I just haven't escorted since. Um, although I would if I if I was to go back into it today. Um, I think I think there is a I think there is a niche for like uh, experienced pro doms that's yeah. under d- definitely underserved, and I would I think that's if I was to do it if I was to jump back into it I think that's what I would be doing completely and I think that like especially with it's it's easier to explore a kink as a submissive it yeah. just always is and there's always a need for handlers for the pub community there's always a need for doms um and i like right now since i'm very new to both pub play and to cage play and again i've always been very dominant with a lot of my kinks Mm -hmm. primarily because we need more doms uh pub play has really allowed me to realize that hey (laughs) self-care like before you put a mask on someone else put a mask on yourself so before you go on and try to save the world from the lack of doms there are it's okay to explore Mm -hmm. the submissive side of yourself we 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 need Mm -hmm. more good doms there's a there's a there's a difference between more doms and more good doms it's very that could be a whole talk on itself it's very easy to be a dom yes it's very and there's there's air quotes here when I say dom. It's very it's very hard to be a good dom, and that's whereas it's relatively it's relatively easier to be a good sub. You yeah. know, to be a good sub, you just need to show up and you know communicate clearly and be able to say yes, sir. <laughs> and and a big well, you part follow of the rules, yeah. yeah, totally. A big part of that really is not only just like communication, but a lot of doms, well, a lot of new doms I've experienced. Uh, just do it because they are control freaks and that's yeah. wonderful but yeah. you know the best cure for a control freak <laughs> is being a sub yes uh, but also like th- that's also why i love exploring the more sub- submissive side of a lot of different kinks first is you definitely do get to experience what it's like for the sub so that when mm-hmm. you turn that around and i'm sure you've had this conversation many times when you turn that mm-hmm. around you're able to then you know, provide exactly what the sub needs because you've experienced it yourself. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. also that's always why, like, I really wish that I was more sexually versatile because, like, I think I'm a great sexual bottom. I wish I could experience the other side just so I know a little bit more about what that is like. And that's what I love about kink. You aren't constrained to physical, <laughs> like, anything. Right. And that's really my favorite part about it. Like you could be disabled and still participate in the kink community because it really is a level playing field for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's, it's such an open and welcoming space too. Like that's every city I've ever been in, there's a kink community that lurks somewhere there. And there, uh, even, even when it's a small city and like the only thing that exists is are like the straight, the straight right. munches. Uh, like even the straight munches are super welcoming places 
that they don't care about your orientation. They don't care about your skin color. They don't care about anything. They're just happy to have you there and they're happy to show you the ropes. Totally. And, and again, that's how that's that's really how I fell into, like I said before, that's how I fell into the King community. I was always just wanting to be and feel accepted. And that was the easiest way as with other seemingly outcasted people. Yeah. yeah. Three questions. Go for it. So Puppy Light, we have three questions that we've been asking all of our guests in um, the season. Uh, just going to run over them one by one. Just gut reaction uh first sure. one is what is uh new and hot for you now like in kink or like or anything new however you want to answer it. Mm -hmm. okay so i'm a huge taylor swift fan <laughs> excellent and the, okay so and the, exiting exiting kink <laughs> completely no, exiting not, kink. Not, not necessarily let's see where he's going oh god this. here we let's hear it let's hear it so he's no, I will. I mean, it always comes back to sex, like everything kind of funnels back through it. But um, so my best friend's turning 40 this year and we have a trip to Berlin planned for snacks in November. Ooh. However, with uh, the Taylor Swift tour that we just saw, we are now waiting for her era's tour dates set internationally to meet some international Swifties. So that's kind of like the new exciting thing. Like we were originally going to go for snacks, but now we're going to go for Taylor Swift slash European Swifties. Ooh. For those who don't know, Snacks is a huge party held in the lab at Berlin twice a year in April and in November. Second question, what is something hot that you'd like to get more into? I mean, so I think this year, last year, I was really spending a lot of time trying to be more versatile and it just wasn't working. And so this year I'm going to really focus back in on being submissive, which is to me, odd to say as a as a bottom, like everyone always thinks you're bottom, you're already submissive. But when I bottom, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm topping as a bottom. Really, I'm a very dominant bottom. I prefer to ride it more than anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I really want to explore more of my submissive kinkier sides. So I am determined. Hopefully, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to work on this. Maybe just more toys. I want to get a fist inside me. I want to get through that knuckle and just like maybe sit on it for a minute. So I do have a, uh, a toy, like a little toy fist that I'm going to work up to. So that's, that's what I'm working on this year. Hopefully I, getting fisted. I have so much advice for that. If you just, we'll, just, we'll talk. <laughs> just ask me whenever every, you have questions. Just every fist me. fanatic is like, join us. Yes. <laughs> I mean, everyone's going to be really excited to hear that, but uh, yeah, definitely want to try to take a fist by the end of the year. You, 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 you easily have it. I believe in you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Last question, uh, and then we'll wrap it up, is what's something that you would like to see more of? And this is mainstream and sex and kink. I mean, we we touched on it, is I really want to see more people open up, continue to open up about uh, their sex and sexuality. I think we've had a really great resurgence of just the sexual revolution um, through Just For Fans, OnlyFans, and all these fan sites coming out. I think it's important to definitely talk about that. It makes us all a lot happier. We're sexual beings. There's no point in ignoring that. Um, but I also think we need to now start having the conversation about the legalities around certain things because it is hurting various communities and it is um, an important conversation to have. And a lot of it is just about demystifying what it means. Um, similar to how, and I'm going to definitely tie it back to, you know, coming out in the 70s and 80s, similar to how visibility is key, visibility is key with sex work as well. Like, you know, people who have been or are sex workers, and there's nothing inherently dangerous about it other than not talking about it and ignoring it. And, and building on that, we need to, we need to actually start building up a political movement 
to repeal SESTA and FOSTA and uh, and legalize legalize and establish sex work in the U.S. Um, and protect it. And that's totally agree. And like we're all enjoying ourselves on just for fans and only fans and, you know, jumping from Xtube to Tumblr to Twitter as one after the other gets shut down. But at some point, we're actually going to have to start organizing and like making a stand. Why wait? Why? I mean, it's it's on the to do list. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things that my daddy also says. He's he's like, I know you have big ideas, but even starting small, start with like yeah. two people, is yeah. is a really good start. So that's why I am really excited about my project. I think at least talking about it and having those stories available to people, and then having resources kind of linked back and forth, is a really great start. And the way that I'm approaching it is definitely from the standpoint of like content creators. I'm like, the things that you're doing is no different. It is sex work. Call it for what it is. But now we just need to, you know, open up the conversation a little bit more. I need to introduce you to people who have been doing sex work before. And uh, yeah, I think I think we're on the right path, but it really just takes people having to, you know, one step at a time, just do something in small bits. And then uh, if people want to find you online, if people want to contribute to your project, um, mm -hmm. if people want to follow uh, CU Fisted Twigs or whatever else you do. Uh, <laughs> I fist where, bears where, mostly, but yes. <laughs> Fisted bears. Where, where, could, where can they do all of that? Yeah, you can find my relatively more safe for work content at Muscle Pup Eli on Instagram um, and at Twitter, same, same handle, at Muscle Pup Eli on Twitter for the more uh, raunchy content. Great. Fantastic. Okay. I think that's, uh, that's everything I think. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we really got a incredible insight into the, uh, into the adult industry. I think what you're doing in terms of building a, I guess it sounds like a project, a manual, which is the healthiest or safest way for people who want to get into sex work um, is admirable and something that the world needs. Definitely. We should take the taboo out of it. We should take, we should put the safety into it and we need to find autonomy to protect all people. Exactly. Who, who, who want to partake in this. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the show. This was, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me guys. Yeah. Thanks. Take yeah. care. He is delightful. I love him. Oh, he is so great. This is Chastity Pod, a passion project brought to you by two Chastity enthusiasts. I'm Locked Fist Monster. And I'm Denai Dumpling. And you're listening to the sweet sound of Chastity by Boys Noise and Pussy Riot featuring Alice Glass. If you like our content and want to stay connected, follow us at Chastity Pod on Twitter. That's at C-H-A-S-T-I-T-Y-P-O-D on Twitter. We'll see you there. Сажать на место, просто тупо месяц, жаль теперь на вечное твое глазо.